I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hello, welcome back to uh, the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. We have a very powerful interview for you today, and it left me in total tears at the end of it. We're talking about abortion today with Sarah Avant Stover, who's the author of The Way of the Happy Woman, which is a book I wrote the preface to, and The Book of She. She's a teacher of feminine spirituality and empowerment and yoga and a meditation instructor. And she is a recovering overachiever who, after a cancer scare, after she graduated from Columbia University, uh, from Barnard, Columbia's all-women's college. She went on a healing odyssey in Thailand and all the way through Asia. She created the first women's yoga teacher training and the online programs Reversing Our Curse, which is about reclaiming your period, and the She School, and she's taught tens of thousands of women worldwide. And now she is on a project, Crusade Calling, to reverse the stigma about abortion. One in three women in the UK and the United States have had an abortion, and yet we don't talk about it. And she shares her heartbreaking yet super powerful story of why she chose to have a second trimester abortion at the age of 39 after having wanted to become a mother and what that's about and about the work with her new organization, Redemption Circle, which is supporting women through the healing process physically, spiritually, and emotionally after having an abortion. Do you have anything you want to add? It was a very powerful episode, I would say. Yeah, I just listened a lot. I mean, there's not much else for me to do at this episode besides listening. And I think it was really... There's a... I mean, for my own, you know, you hear abortion and you hear like, oh, okay, that we're going to, you know, you're going to terminate a baby, right? Or terminate a, a pregnancy, right? And so there's a variety of reasons why that can happen. And so over time, those are things that I've heard. It's not necessarily, and I know women that have had abortions and the reasons for them having abortion, but it's not somebody I've actually sat down to have a conversation with. And I feel like this was a, it was a very powerful conversation. Yeah. I learned so much. I personally am not one of those one in three women who have had an abortion, but I have some very dear friends who are. And so this episode is for them. Welcome, Sarah. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Thank you. So we've known each other a long time, but it's been a long time. It has. Since we've connected. Yeah. I wrote the preface or forward. I don't remember which one it ended up being to your, to your book. The way. preface. Yeah. And, and I was so struck by in your book, how our stories were sort of similar, but not similar in terms of having, what was it that you had with the precancerous? I had cervical dysplasia. Is it HPV? Yeah. yeah. And so did I. And I was remember reading that 
story in your book and was so was so struck. So first of all, I just want to say, and this is the lead into our conversation today, thank you for being so willing to use your life to be helpful. <laughs> yeah, it was actually when I interviewed your mom recently, I shared that I like my personality wishes that that weren't the case, <laughs> that I could just be more private and kind of have a quote unquote normal, normal life. But that's not what this lifetime is about. I'm here to live and then to share. And a lot of those things I've lived have been challenging. When was it that you first knew that you were meant to share what you had lived? How did that happen? I think it's always been the case. Even when I was in grade school and middle school and high school, I would just do these interesting school projects. And I've always liked telling the truth about things. Yeah, it was never really a choice. It's just like, this is who I am and this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so obviously you already brought up my mom. I mean, my mom also has that where she experiences something and then she has to tell about it. Yeah. So I grew up with that, not really realizing that it's not normal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was your role model. Yeah. But it's totally weird. It is weird. And it is weird. in the world of social. So when, when I was growing up and my mom was doing that, it was more unusual because, and listen, my mom's, you know, my mom's very different than somebody like Glennon Doyle, for example, who I also adore, but she's really like sharing a much more raw personal version. And my mom was more like, you know, a little more clinical or. Right. Take some steps back. Thank you. Yeah. A little more separated. I don't want to make her sound cold, but like, you know, just not as in there. But now, like at that time, it was like, oh, she would have, you know, PBS specials or it, it was in her books or her lectures. But now it's like we all can just share immediately and just for public consumption. And it's, it's kind of bizarre, but it's also such a beautiful opportunity. Right. So how do you know for yourself, and I do get asked this question, I'm curious your answer. How do you know like what is for public consumption and what is just for you or for the inner circle of your life? I am told very clearly through my inner voice, which is my connection to the divine or to God. And in the topic that we're about to go into, it was so clear. It was like, it just hit me over the head and I couldn't, I tried to, I tried to turn the other way and I, I couldn't. So tell us about that. Yeah. Well, I had an abortion, a second trimester abortion in April of 2017. And it was very unexpected. I, right now I'm almost 41. I was 39 and a half at the time, very much wanting to be a mother, but have been in relationship situations where that hasn't worked out. And I was ready to have this baby. And I found out that the man that I was with is not who he represented himself to be and very likely is a sociopath. And I researched with family lawyer and my doctor and just found out that I wouldn't be able to get full custody of this child because he wouldn't hand it over to me. And that was just going to set our lives up for 
being a nightmare on many different levels. And during the 11th hour, I turned to my child, my son, whom I hadn't been able to connect with through our entire pregnancy. And I couldn't figure out why. So I'm a very intuitive person. I can even connect with other children's babies when they're in the womb, but I couldn't connect with mine. And finally, one night when I really was down to the wire with making this decision, he told me that he wasn't meant to be born and I was meant to terminate the pregnancy and he was there to teach me some lessons. And so I terminated the pregnancy and that was, I mean, that's like the pivotal experience of my life. I was in an interesting situation because I had just announced to the world that I was pregnant. And that was actually how I found out about my then partner because one of a woman reached out to me. She saw it online. So if I hadn't posted it, then I wouldn't have known. But meanwhile, I posted it and tens of thousands of people around the world knew I was pregnant. And I made some private announcements that I had lost the baby. And I was just planning on going with that and keeping it a private experience. But I started to realize as I was going through the healing journey that there was nowhere for me to go to heal. It's like women who've had abortions are in India, there's a caste called the untouchables. And that's what I feel like women who've had abortions are. It's like no one wants to talk about us. No one wants to deal with us. <laughs> like there's no, like books aren't written about us. And my son who has stayed with me since then as just a, a teacher and a guide, he told me I needed to create something to help women after abortions. And he told me its name was Redemption Circle. It needed to be a 501c3. It needed to be a global movement to help heal the stigma of abortion. And that I was to take a year to heal and then to share it. And that's wow. what I did. Wow. <laughs> so I have a practice of talking to God and talking to people, whoever <laughs> The people are, right? <laughs> my guides or my team. For our listeners who may not, can you talk about the logistics of that and how that actually happens sure. for you in your experience? Yeah, I've had, for the past 20 years, I've had a really regular meditation and prayer practice, a time of, of just getting still and getting quiet and listening to myself. And so I think if, we, if we're not practiced in it, I mean, some people just are gifted with being able to hear or see these non-physical entities. But for most of us, it, it takes some, some tuning into learning to tune into that radio station and to tune out the voices of like our inner critic or other people's opinions. And so now I just know that voice of, of truth. And sometimes it's, like I was saying earlier, it's just so loud and so clear, it just hits me over the head. And that's how it's been, like with my two books and the stories that I've shared in there. And that was definitely how it was in this situation as well. And I knew that if I shared it, I would be protected. So yeah, it's, it's just really a skill that I think I've cultivated and continue to cultivate. So... You had mentioned that one out of three women, is that in the United States or is that globally, have chosen? In the U.S. and the U.K. 
in the US? I think that's representative of, glo of globally, but okay. I can't be Maybe. sure. So, okay, but the US and the UK, so one in three women have had an abortion. Yeah, it's the most widely performed medical procedure in the world. Okay, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> and the most women that are having abortions right now are married women in their 40s. That is what I've heard. Yeah. So can you talk about that and what you've learned about that particular statistic? Well, I just learned about that through a woman named Linda Weber, who wrote an amazing book about abortion. I think it's the best book about abortion out there. I think it needs to be on high school reading lists. It's called Life Choices. Mm -hmm. And she really looks at the whole historical background of abortion and does a great job at disentangling all these different layers that women who've had abortions need to work through. And she founded the Boulder Valley Women's Health Clinic in Boulder, Colorado, one of the first clinics in Colorado when abortion became legal there. And she just shared that statistic with me recently in an interview that I did with her. I don't know where she got it, but yeah, she shared it with me. Wow. Yeah. One of the things that my mom shared with me regarding abortion that she probably shared with you as well, she performed abortions for many, many years, and she worked at St. Margaret's Hospital in Boston, which is a Catholic hospital, and she would get calls from the bigwigs in the Catholic Church saying, like, you know, under cover of darkness, like, you have to help my daughter terminate this pregnancy. Yeah. And they would say, well, you know, we don't, we don't believe in this, but it would ruin her life, like teen daughter pregnancies. And, and just the, the profound lack of integrity or what, what is that Hypocrisy. called? Hypocrisy. Going on within the church, for sure, which my mom was right on the, on the front lines of that. It's kind of, I mean, obviously it's sickening and, and what's happening in our country right now that, you know, Roe v. Wade is being considered to be overturned. You know, that's the platform that some of our politicians are running on. So can you just talk about that and why is this so important now? Let's see, where do I want to start with this? One thing, I listened to a interview with one of the people who works is with Planned Parenthood that they did with NPR. And they said that their strategy right now with the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade is stigma busting. Because the, the thing that's going to help the most is if we start, you know, if we start talking about this. Because by staying silent about it, it stays invisible. And it stays as something that you think is about people other than you. But when women actually start raising their hands and saying, I had an abortion, I had an abortion, I had four abortions, you know, we start to see like that most of the people that we know have had abortions. And it's not that weird of a thing. It's not that bad of a thing. It's a part of life. There are pregnancies that are wanted and there are pregnancies that are unwanted for various reasons. And I remember reading some articles about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her opinions about Roe v. Wade. And she was against Roe v. Wade, not in, you know, she, she's, a, she's a fierce advocate of women's right to choose, but she, she was against it in terms of the logic behind it. 
because the logic upholding Roe v. Wade is not that abortion is a human right, that women need equal rights as men. It went further to, to talk about women's privacy and state, and she was saying if it had just stopped at abortion is a human right, that women need to have equal right over their bodies as men, that we wouldn't be having these same, these, all these problems that we've been having in the years since that was passed. So I think there, there is still a real issue even in the way that we think about abortion, that it really is a human right, that a woman needs to be able to decide what happens with her body and therefore what happens with her life. And there just needs to be a much deeper conversation around abortion. So I think it's coming up now because there are still so many holes in our understanding about it and even the laws around it. And so, so many states, women can't get abortions in the U.S. I, I know that in Missouri, and the law is that each state needs to have one abortion clinic. And there's the one clinic in Missouri is getting a hard time because their hallways aren't the right size. So, I mean, if we start to look closer and closer, we see that what we have, like, that's not even really working. <laughs> And if one in three women are getting an abortion, one clinic per state really doesn't cut it. No, it doesn't. And so women are still traveling to more progressive states, like Colorado is one, New York is one. I'm in Illinois right now visiting my family. Apparently all the states around Illinois uh, are very conservative. And so most women come, come to the state to get abortions. And since I shared my story more women are reaching out to me and even women who need to have a therapeutic abortion, they're needing to bring their case in front of legislature and they're, because, uh, because the laws are so stringent and they're in this place where it's like they need to terminate a pregnancy and they need to deal with a whole like legal crew of men deciding how that's going to happen or if that's going to happen and they need to figure out, do I need to fly to another state to go to an abortion clinic? And, but none of us are talking about this and trying to make it better for women and for men. Cause you know, men are also on the other side of abortion too. Yeah. I what do you, what do you mean by two questions? What is a therapeutic therapeutic? Is that what you just said? Therapeutic abortion. Yeah, there's a, there's a therapy. These are medical terms. Therapeutic abortion is like when there's a chromosomal abnormality, uh, like maybe there's still a heartbeat, but the embryo or the fetus wouldn't develop into an actual healthy human being. And so it's, it needs, the pregnancy needs to be terminated. And then an elective abortion is when you choose to have an abortion for other reasons. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. And then the last thing you just said is like for men as well, like men are on the other side of that. What do you mean? What does that mean? Well, as I started to, as I was processing my story and some of the people I talked to were men that I'm close to. And some of these men shared with me how challenging abortion was for them. Like they had, they chose with their partner to get an abortion and they had a lot of feelings around it too. So I know that's in my case, that wasn't the situation. I, I made the choice on my own, but I know that this is something that men grapple with too. And they also don't always have a place to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's situations like yours, right? Where 
you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. How would you describe the situation for you? It was a major crisis situation. And I am grateful that I was able to choose an abortion and not to need to have the father's permission to do it. And that was, my doctor pointed that out and she's like, you can, you know, you can do this. And I suggest you do this in secrecy. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So there are times when you, you don't want to raise a child with the partner. There are times when there isn't a partner available. There are times when you find out some information about this child that would affect the rest of this child's life and your life in a way that might not be what you had in mind. That would be a lot of struggle. I mean, there's obviously there are situations that are really severe where it's a situation of a rape or, or abuse or incest. I mean, there's just, I'm sure whoever's listening to this is aware of the different circumstances, but I think we need to understand that this is not, <laughs> you know, I, I, at least I'm imagining myself on the other side thinking, well, this is irresponsible women, right? Like, I think that that might be something that other people might think. And there that's are- what, that's one of the stigmas, you know, a loose, irresponsible woman. Yeah, like just take control <laughs> of your body, right? And yeah. so I just wanted to outline some of the circumstances I can think of. I'm sure you could add many more to the list that I just gave from stories you've heard. Yeah, there's also women who feel pressured by the men that they're with to have an abortion. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the circumstances can be as vast as the circumstances that we find ourselves in in our lives as women in general, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, infinite. Yeah. Infinite circumstances. Yeah. And, and a lot of times women are on birth control and they still get pregnant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know. This stuff is so, we think we can control everything with science, but we cannot. We can't. We just cannot. I mean, I know, I have friends who know for sure that their mothers got pregnant while they were having their period, for example, which is like supposed to obviously not happen. (laughs) But they're living proof that it does. So I think that the wisdom of destigmatizing it is such a great place to start because it is upstream and that's how things shift in culture. And so how are you working towards that? Well, I'm figuring it out as I go, but I love what you talked about, what you just said about culture. And I, I heard an interview, I forget who it was with, but this man said that culture is defined by the things that we talk about and the things that we don't talk about. Mm. So we're a culture that doesn't talk about abortion. And if we want things to change, we need to become a culture that does talk about abortion. And so my sharing of my story was my first step towards doing that to say, you know, this is what happened to me. And a lot of women who had judgments about abortion reached out to me and they said, it really made me rethink things by reading your story. Cause I, I really give like an inside look at, how I came to the decision that I did and how complicated it is. So complicated. So sharing my story and then encouraging other people to share their stories, that has been slow going. I, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's not like 
share your favorite butternut squash soup recipe. No. So I think like a couple of people that I know of shared their stories after reading mine. That was one of my calls to action. I encourage more women to please share your stories. This is what we need. We need to talk about this. And the other thing is creating these redemption circles, these healing circles where we focus on healing after abortion physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Even in these circles, I just led my first one online. We had 40 women from nine countries. Two of those countries, abortion is illegal. We had a woman from Ireland and Uganda where it's illegal. And even women in that course, a lot of them didn't want to speak up. So it just, it goes so deep. And, you know, if we can just tell one person our story, it doesn't need to come out on Facebook. You know, I realized that I had needed to use all the platforms that I have to get this message out, but other people, you certainly don't need to do that. (laughs) And even when I shared my story with people close to me, I was just surprised at how many women in my life had had abortions mentors and family members and friends and it just doesn't come out usually unless someone opens up and gets vulnerable and and shares and shares her experience what is the so not having like earlier we mentioned about having missouri had like one place to have an that women could have abortion so what are the negative side effects or i guess what are the what is the downside of not having more places where women can go and, you know, have Are you these... saying why, we, why don't we have more places? Well, yes, why, but then also why, I guess, yes. And then why is it important? To have more? Yes. Well, I just think about my situation. So if I, if I hadn't been in Colorado and had access to, you know, my doctor referred me to a women's center that's associated with the University of Colorado in Denver. And they were just a phenomenal center. And they, you know, they they said that they see at least 20 women a week, I, I guess between five and 20 women a week who need second trimester abortions for various reasons. And if I hadn't been in Colorado and I had been in that situation and I had been under the gun for needing to act in a very short window of time, if I was in a more conservative state, you know, most abortion clinics, they, they cut you off at maybe 10, 11, 12 weeks. And I mean, ideally, if we terminate a pregnancy as beforehand, but a lot, of, a lot of times that's not always the case and we don't talk about that. I mean, I, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know where I would have gone. And honestly, I don't know exactly what things are like in all the other states. And that's also because, you know, where do we learn this information? <laughs> where, you know, no, again, no one's talking about it. And also, what is it like for women? You know, I could, I could pay for my abortion. Insurance doesn't cover abortions, which it also should. It's a medical procedure, right? that a woman needs, whether it's an emotional need or a physical need. And a lot of women can't afford abortion. So some women need to fly, you know, need to go to like Mexico or other countries, or we don't actually know all, all the details and what it's like for people. Right. Yeah. Cause if it's not talked about, there's no data that's accurate. Yeah. I mean, some data, but like, yeah. not really. Not really. It makes me think of, I'm sure the parallels are not lost on you, 
of the Me Too movement and how, you know, I, I think it's one in three women also have been sexually assaulted or harassed. And the fact that many men, you can speak as a man here, but like, I remember when that was coming out, what did you say? Do you remember? I said a lot of things. Well, we've had a lot of conversations, yeah. But one of the things that you said was just like, or at least other men, if it wasn't you, if I'm remembering you correctly, was like, I just had no idea. Yeah. This was so oh, yeah. common, right? That it was yeah. like, wait, you too? Because I was like, I was not surprised. By I wasn't surprised either. At all. Like, no. Not at all. But the vast majority of the men in my life were shocked. Yes. It's and like, so as a woman who hasn't had an abortion personally, I am quite surprised by the one in three statistic, although not really. Yeah. When I think about it. I mean, but I, but I didn't realize it was so common and I'm so glad you're doing this work because so many of my dear, dear friends have gone through this and I can't even imagine how many of them have and that I don't know. Yeah. Those are the ones who've shared it. Yeah. And some, some places say it's one in four and some places say one in three. And I, I want to err on the more generous side of that because I think it's, it's just way more common than, than we think it is. Right. And think about how do these statistics get reported, right? All the people who aren't talking about it and who unfortunately don't have access to, you know, streamlined good care are having it done in these ways that, you know, are obviously unhealthy and scary. And those ones probably are not getting reported. Right. So I think erring on the side of more is mm -hmm. better. Yeah. Right. What is the... So it's been about a year and a half for you, correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm. And then what has been the, I don't know, I'm just going to say, I don't really know how to ask these questions because this is, to me, this is not like breaking an arm, right? It's like, oh, I break the arm and I get it fixed. Mm -hmm. Like what has the, I'm just going to call it a roller coaster ride been for you in the last year and a half? Like what are, like how was physically the body post, an abortion, like overcoming what you went through, the hormonal trajectory that happened. Cause I know, you, you know, being pregnant produces hormones and not being pregnant, you know, releases these hormones or do they go away? And then what has it been for you for the last year and a half or so? Yeah, it's uh, it has been a roller coaster, although the ride is definitely studied out gradually and for, it was, it's working through different layers and so first it was definitely the physical layer and it was rebalancing my hormones. So one of my girlfriends gave me some of her leftover frozen placenta pills from her daughter. And I was able to take those, which I think helped immensely with my hormones and also got like an underground referral from a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner about different supplements to take Chinese supplements to take to help balance my hormones. And again, I couldn't be open about this and just walk into any old place and you know <laughs> ask for help. So I had to just rely on this like underground network of women. And so taking different supplements and making sure that I did everything that I could to bring my period back as quickly as possible because that was going to help to reestablish equilibrium. Baby blues, the first few weeks on top of immense grief and shock. Um, my milk coming in, which was so intense and just learning that trick of frozen cabbage leaves and wearing a sports bra. And then there was like, 
you know, I thought my body would just go back to what it was before I was pregnant. And that could at least help me feel like my pre-pregnant self. That still hasn't happened. My body, I think, is just forever changed from pregnancy, even though I didn't give birth. And that has been something to integrate. You know, it's like a lot of my clothes don't fit me or don't fit me in the same way that they used to. And it's like needing to get to know and accept this new self. And then there was the emotional side, which was letting myself go on that roller coaster ride. And one abortion counselor that I met with, you know, she said the best thing you can do is just let yourself feel everything and let yourself think everything. And that's how you make peace with it. And so I just kind of let that, let myself have space to kind of go a little crazy. Like, it's not like I went crazy, but I just didn't try to be normal or didn't try to suppress things. And then there was the intellectual or the mental pieces of like, well, who am I? Like, how does this happen? What does my life mean now? And then there's the cultural pieces, which I didn't realize were so strong until I, I moved through all those other pieces. And then I, real, and then I just saw how much the cultural stigma was keeping me from feeling healthy again, just how much shame I was carrying, guilt, feeling of being judged. Yeah. So that's why in Redemption Circle, we take space for all these different layers because, it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot for a woman to process. And certainly there are women who have a really clear decision and feel a lot of relief afterwards. I also felt relief. I felt relief. Uh, and that's what was confusing. It was like, I felt relief and I felt tremendous grief. Yeah. It's, it can be very contradictory as well. Yeah. It is not straightforward. Mm-hmm. Where did you, you know, you've created what you needed. It sounds like. But what did you do for support other than, let's say, the supplements? It sounds You said you found an abortion counselor? Yeah, an abortion counselor who I met with just once. Okay. I was also working with a therapist pretty much weekly. And I was talking to my mom on the phone pretty much every day, sometimes multiple times a day, <laughs> talking to girl, like the girlfriends that knew and I spent a lot of time alone. I mean, I'm still kind of in this rebuilding phase. Yeah, I'm still, I'm not fully in life again, but I'm getting, I'm a lot closer to it. So just spending a lot of time you know, journaling and a lot of self-care and meditation and exercise helped me a lot. Exercise helped, yeah, especially cardio. I joined the, the daily method my sister's a daily method teacher and going to bar classes and cycle classes and just every day making myself just get up and get out. And it's just such a loving, supportive community of women there. And a lot of women that I don't know, so I could be kind of anonymous and that, that was really helpful. Is the daily method a gym? It's a chain of, it's like a, a bar cycle studio. Okay, got it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I don't think we have one here yet. We don't. Maine is, we're a little, you know, Maine is behind. You know, um, maybe one day. We're ahead in some things. 
in terms of being progressive and having availability for abortions, we're good on that. Right. But not so much with the fitness crisis. Right. <laughs> but I think we're on it on the important things. And then, so tell us more about what you're doing with Redemption Circles and how that works and how people can reach out and get support if they need it, who are listening. Sure. I am, I'm still in the building phase for that. And so I founded this 501c3. We're working on, on fundraising. If anyone wants to donate, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash redemption circle. And I just led the first online class, which was six weeks as to serve as like a prototype for future classes. And then I'm going to have a meeting with women who are interested in leading redemption circles. And we also want to have post-abortion doulas. Mm-hmm. So I had an abortion doula. One of my close friends trained as a birth doula. She's a psychotherapist. And she also used to work in an abortion clinic. And she was very used to being in the room with women. And she volunteered to be that for me and to kind of hold the space as my baby made his passage to the other side and just to be there for emotional support for me. And then I realized, you know, we also need these post-abortion doulas, women who can come to your house, women who've had abortions and they know what it's like, who can cook you food or rub you your feet or just sit next to you when you cry or just be there with you. You know, we just, sometimes we just need to sit with someone else while we're in pain and not need to do it alone. So the next step is, getting other women involved to be these post-abortion doulas, lead circles, help me build redemption circle. And ideally we want to make a visible support network. So we'll have a website where women can go on and just look for a circle either online or where, wherever they are and enjoying. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. That's really beautiful. I'm just so glad you're doing this work. So a question that I have is you mentioned the guilt piece, right? And I think that that's something cultural that gets upon women. Yes. Um, And then there's the grief piece, right? So the guilt and the grief. And I mean, there's a lot of other things as well. And being as somebody, again, who has not had personal experience, but somebody who's spoken with a lot of people who have, obviously meeting with a therapist, so powerful, being open to feeling your feelings so powerful let's say you're a woman who it's well let's say you're you (laughs) a year and a half and these things you right like these you know i think there are things in our life that we never get over yeah having an abortion would be one of them yeah so what do you do when these feelings come up in your daily life right now, when you don't well, have kind of that initial intensity, but living this. Right. Stuff. Well, here's the thing. I don't, I feel really at peace with it now. That's great. And that might, I mean, that might shift, but I think that I, I think I really just went fully into the healing. I just turned over every stone and also sharing my story was a, was a pivotal healing moment because that healed a lot of my shame. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like I was free, especially in my work. 
for that year and a quarter that I wasn't telling the truth about what happened because it was like, I'm going through something that's so major. <laughs> and it wasn't just losing my child, you know, it was like, I, it was me choosing that loss, but also not really having a choice and not another level. And I was going through this huge thing, but the people didn't know. And so once I shared it, I just felt liberated. And yes, I will never get over losing my son. And I know that life doesn't end after death. He's with me more strongly than he was in life. And I know that this is how our relationship was meant to be. And maybe we'll be reunited in the flesh at some point, or maybe not. Yeah, I've really integrated this experience and that's why I want to share Redemption Circle because, you know, women are sharing in our Facebook group. You know, I, you know, I still feel, maybe I'll still feel guilt for the rest of my life. And I'm saying to them, you can if you want, but you don't have to. Like, you, you really can move on from this yeah. and use it. I think it was your mom that I heard say this, is that the things that we're taught have the least power for us as women hold the most power and abortion. I mean, I'm still becoming like the new version of myself, but I am so proud of the woman that I have become so far as a result of this. And, you know, it's like my son gave his life so that I could have this new life. And there's a tremendous opportunity in abortion when, when we really face it head on. And I want women to know that it can be, you know, it can be, yeah, so heartbreaking, so devastating, and also so, there's so much mercy in it. There's so much power in it because it's a powerful decision to turn back life, to say, I am the gatekeeper for this being, and I know it is not loving for this being or for myself or for the people that I love around me to bring this child into the world. So it is an act of radical love as a mother to say, we, we can't do this or we can't do this right now. Mm. And that's what led me to never regret my decision because I, I knew I made it from just like the deepest love. You know, it's like love is so painful when it is real love. I mean, it's just like, it's excruciating. It, like, it does crack your heart open. And I knew, like, I've never, I've never questioned that moment. I wish that I hadn't had to have done it, but because it was, the love is so pure, I was just, you know, you know, it was the only thing that, it was the only true thing to do. Thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, that was gorgeous. I don't think I can ask you any more questions. <laughs> But I really, you know, this is what I want us to see is like, you know, we can judge women for not, not choosing motherhood, but it's like, sometimes it, it might just be the most powerful kind of motherhood. When you say, I can't be a mother to this child right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anything more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just really honor you. This is such beautiful work. Thank you. Thank you for giving yourself to this. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for thanks for being a platform for helping to break the silence and the secrecy around this. Yeah, it's so important. So obviously you gave the Patreon link. Are there other places that people can find and connect? Yeah, redemptioncircle.org. 
is kind of the preliminary web page. We don't have a full website yet, but there, if you want to join a Redemption Circle online course, you can get on the uh, the notification list for the next one I'm offering in 2019. And there's also like a preview class MP3 that you can get when you sign up, which could also be helpful, helpful material in there if you are working through some abortion material right now. And then I did a series on my podcast with an interview with your mom and with Linda Weber, who wrote that book I mentioned. And those interviews have been really powerful for women because our dialogue around abortion is so elementary that people have just found it so refreshing to have a more sophisticated conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The podcast is called She Talks and it's on iTunes and SoundCloud. And there's a link on my website, thewayofthehappywoman.com. Okay, great. And all these links are in the show notes for you listening. So you can go there over at katenorthup.com forward slash podcast and get all the links directly as well. Well, Sarah, you're amazing. Thanks, guys. So are you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. you. This is going to bless millions and millions of women. So much love to you. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrop.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.